Hello there, and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Now, today's guest of one of Ireland's most successful Gaelic footballers and a member of what is undoubtedly the most successful GA family in the history of the game. He was Footballer of the Year. He won five All-Stars, five All-Ireland titles. He's now one of our top pundits on the Sunday game. It's a pleasure to welcome Tomás O'Shea. And Tomás, you must have been immersed in football from when you could walk. We were, Des. Um, Kerry, there was, in our area, back in West Kerry, in Ventry, there were no other, like, there was no rugby, there was no soccer, there was no hurling. It was all GAA. And uh, that great Kerry team of the 70s were our idols and our heroes. Uh, so we were immersed in football and that was it. You know, it was, there was nothing else really. You know, at, at eight or nine years of age, you went off back to Gollers, back the road on your bike, and you went training twice, three times a week. And we loved it. Jeez, it, was, it, was, it was brilliant. Um, and Ungaeltacht was our club and it was all true Irish. So um, it, it was nice. It was a good time. There was one coach, Liam O'Rohan was our coach, and he was the guy that brought all. I think at one stage... Uh, the teams we had were under 12, 14, 16, 18 and then senior. They were the only teams we had in the club and he was the manager for the 12s, 14s, 16s and 18s. Wow. He was a local principal and uh, a great man. He was the guy that set that club on its way. Well, as someone who worked for the Kerry man in that period when the Kerry team that you're talking about, the team of your idols, you were probably the envy of a lot of other kids because your uncle was one of the stars of that team, Paddy. Yeah, it, it was strange. Like he was when when we got that love of football, he was just over the ditch. Des, he was literally living right beside us. So we saw, and he lived at home as well. It wasn't as if he was away and we didn't see him that often. He was just right next door. We saw him five, six, seven, eight times a day, and we'd be having chats and having fun. And when he get bored over in the bar, he'd come back <laughs> to us and have a kick around in the garden. And then he'd go over and back constantly. He used to sit in with us and have uh, watch movies with us and everything. And we saw the way he trained, and all all those players. Like I remember Tommy Doyle coming out training with him, Ogie Moran coming out training with him. Shin Connor from Dingle coming out training with him um, and he had crazy routines like you know he trained with Kerry on a Tuesday and a Thursday and then on a Monday and a Wednesday he would uh, run over the mountain all around Slay Head and back down the beach and he had a crazy routine but we just learned from him how seriously he took it but it was great because the, the cup was coming home so often and, and you could see the, the, the guys that, that, that were at the coal face the heroes and it was brilliant and you know I think everybody in the area were proud of, of what he had achieved as a, as a footballer but he took it so serious like he really he was a great character he was great fun but he took football seriously and um, I think we all kind of learned that from him and took it on That run you describe or you, you say over the mountain and down to the beach how long was that run? He had it measured. It was thirteen and a half miles. What what he do was, he would run up the top. If you if you're if Paddy's pub, instead of going around Slayhead, you'd go straight over the mountain, and then you go out across top of Mount Eagle, and then he'd go back into the back of Dunquin down through the graveyard, and then around Slayhead back to Ardavoher. And it was about 13, 13 and a half miles, but it was cross reckless, 
really really hard terrain and he would do that twice a week and this was like this was not pre-season this was inside in the middle of of summertime like uh now having said that he didn't kill himself at work during the day he was actually as close as you could get to a professional athlete at the time and he got his rest like he was so ahead of his time he'd go to bed for a couple of hours during the day he'd make sure he was minding himself his mother used to mind him and make sure his dinner was ready and he'd go down the beach and he'd jump hurls and then he'd be back up he'd have a bat and um, my uh, grandmother would have a, a little sherry for him at the side of the bat just to warm him up inside in the bat and uh, he was he was f- a flying fit animal at that stage anyway and he was um, that's what we used to put out the hurls for him we used to carry the boots down the beach for him and they were stolen a couple of times would you believe we throw them inside the ditch and he'd come up roaring at us that you d- I didn't carry the boots down the beach for him and I says I did I put them inside the ditch and we'd have to go down and check and they would, they'd, they'd be taken, like. But, I mean, Charventry Beach was full of people at the time, like. No wonder. I mean, what did we think, like, that you just put the boots inside the ditch <laughs> and that they'd be there two hours later? <laughs> and do you recall going to watch him play? I was never actually, it's still a bone I pick with my mother. I was never carried to a game in Crow Park. Um, so, in 85, when he was captain... I would have been seven years of age, I suppose. Uh, there was four boys in our family and we weren't carried. The two older lads were carried up to Dublin, you know, for the weekend and we watched it on TV. So I never actually, I saw him playing with the Gaeltacht. I saw him play with West Kerry, but I never actually saw him in the flesh with Kerry, you know. And mm. I suppose I was born in 1978, Des, and that was in the middle of the, 75 was the start of that great Kerry team. And they went to 86, so my memories wouldn't be as strong or as vivid. And the most memories I get would be of the Kerry's golden years. And I suppose in those videos you, you saw you saw the best clips of them. You know, mm. the genius of Egan and Mikey and Bomber and Spillane and Jackos. You know, they, they were the guys you'd be you'd be looking at. And of course, you'd see the dubs and the Keevenies and, and Brian Mullins. Jeez, I remember Brian Mullins used to scare me watching him <laughs> on, on television. Like, back what, he still why? scares me actually to this day anytime I meet him. But um, it was just the ferocity of him, the size of him. I remember, um, was it in the 75 final where Paulie Lynch hit him? And oh, I was watching it the last day on, on TV. He hit him an awful welt and he put him to the ground. And Mullins just tore up off the ground and lashed the ball over the bar from about 40 yards mm. on, the, on the laces. And uh, he, had, he had, all his relations were in this bowl, but he was a tough character. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I loved watching those Kerry Dublin games and the atmospheres that were there. And, you know, we were so close to it, like, and you'd ask Paddy about stories about this and about that. And I really understood the kind of rivalry that was there between them and, and it, it continued on for us as well when we went playing. Sure. Now your first piece of music is from West Kerry. It is, yeah. It, like, when I was growing up, we lived right across the road from Paddy's pub, literally. You could kick a, a left leg, a weak left leg, a kick in the door of the pub from our, from our house. And every Sunday night, back in the 80s, Begley and Cooney would play across on a Sunday evening. And that time, I suppose, the same pressure wasn't on, on people drink driving and all that. So a lot of people would come in and it's not that it would be a session. There'd be a lot of older couples there and they would have set music and set dancing going on inside in the bar. And there might be three or four sets of, of and there's 12 to a set. So you could have 36 dancing at one time. And Begley and Cooney, the music they had, it was just powerful. It was West Kerry. I saw a, a documentary lately done on Cooney. 
and uh, he said that he, when he came to West Kerry first, you know, he had a guitar and he used to be playing it, and the West Kerry lads used to tell him, like, you know, tarring a wastard, that's what they used to actually <laughs> say to him, like, would you play it, like, would you beat the bloody thing, like, and uh, it was powerful, it was actually mad, and James Begley was with him, and the two of them, Begley and Cooney, they brought out an, an album called Mehel, it's my favourite album still, um, it was brilliant, it was just pure wild and it, it kind of reflected the people and the, and the area I thought and uh, it, it's brilliant like it's absolutely and the, the, the thing about Begley is he was a, a, a box player but he was he had the most sweet voice that you could ever hear as well like and he, he used to sing songs Bruch na Karigabarna is, is a song he sings and geez it's lovely like and mm. for such a big physical rough man like he had the sweetest voice you could ever hear but I used to love watching them Mark used to actually go over and play the 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 box uh, Begley would go up and have a pint and Mark used to, to to learn how to play the box and Cooney would play with Mark so we were allowed over for about 20-25 minutes to watch what was going on over but uh, that would be my first introduction to traditional music in, in West Kerry like you know yeah. So Tomás you went to school in Dingle is it? Went to school in Kilvigadownig was my primary school. Um, it was about a, a mile and a half back the road. So we used to cycle to school. It was tiny school days. It was very, very small. Um, I remember in sixth class, there was 20, 22 um, pupils in the whole school. Um, so I was in one of the bigger classes. There was four of us in the class. Um, and it was, it was a really small school, still going, two-teacher school. Uh, great memories back there. Sean Ganey, who played with Kerry, and Paul Ganey, who plays with Kerry at the moment. Paul's grandmother, who would be Sean's mother, uh, was our, our teacher back there. She was a tough lady. Many many the clatter I got off her. Um, Presumably for good reason. She was, she was very good. Mm. She fostered a, a, a kind of a... She, she was very interested in the football. And we had Sean O'Cohan back there. And um, Pat O'Shea was the first coach years and years ago, and we didn't even have tarmac. We had a rough. If you went, if you fell in the yard, geez, you'd be torn asunder because we used to have sharp pants on us, and it was all stones and gravel. And it was, it was, if you fell, and geez, we used to get fierce. I mean, even though the numbers were small, the yard was small. Geez, you'd have desperate. You couldn't kick a point because it'd go out on the main road, and the main sleigh head road <laughs> that time was even busy. Yeah. Um, so you had to be accurate. But we moved on then, Des, into the secondary school in Dingle. And that was a huge step up because then you'd have the surrounding areas of Lisbon and Onaskal and Dingle, of course, and the girl took to all in one. So it was going from maybe 22 in the whole school to maybe 30 inside in one class. And it was, it was, it was different, but I enjoyed it. I loved it because there was a couple of teachers. We were sports mad and the Liam Higgins and the Tommy Dowds, they were the teachers that drove us on with the football and it was all football really, Des. It was, it was like work throughout my whole life was secondary really. And I used to, I, I'd, I'd live for the football and, and the, the training and, you know, there, there was some good teams inside. It was the monastery that time. There's a, a the, the convent and the monastery joined in the future, but while I was there was the monastery, so it was all male, and we had a couple of very, very good teams inside there. We won an All-Ireland B colleges, which was massive at the time. And you got on the Kerry Minor team at what age? I got on the Kerry Minor team in 95. 95. Um, it was strange, very strange, because I wasn't on the... The squad had would have got together days around November, December for trials. And 95, um, they were just after winning the All-Ireland in 94. So it was a kind of a really successful time at underage level in Kerry. And um, 
I wasn't on the panel and I wasn't chosen and I, w I was there at home and I'd, I'd be talking to my father and I'd be saying, geez, I, I think I'm good enough for it and I wasn't. And I wasn't uh, brought in for any trials or anything. And then for whatever reason, maybe a week from the match or a week and a half from the match in 1995, um, I was brought in for a trial and I was marking, like, because I would have known the minors that won the previous year and I was marking one of the good fellas, centre-back, and I did well and Charlie Nelligan was the manager and he came across to me with about 20 minutes to go. He says, keep going, you're doing very, really well. And um, I actually, not only did I get onto the panel a week out, you'd never hear of it nowadays, mm -hmm. but I actually made the team a week later to play Cork. And um, that was my first year name and Fitzmaurice was on that team as well. And I played minor the following year as well in 96 and we lost to Leash by a point in the final. Um, so it was it was huge days because I have to think nowadays you see young fellas and they get chances to go in to play in the big pitches and for us back then to have our name in a programme any programme was a big deal to get to play inside in the big pitches like Austinsack Park like that trial game uh, for the minors was my first time I think playing inside Austinsack Park and it was like I was you know that was a mecca for me so to go to Killarney and those places or to play with Kerry or to get a Kerry jersey that time was I had made it like I was yeah. I was the best footballer in the country <laughs> <laughs> Well then you, you, I mean as people know you had a hugely successful senior career and while Kerry-Dublin was a huge rivalry before your time and after your time probably wasn't central to your time Where, who was your main rivals in your playing career was it Tyrone or yeah, I suppose, look, um, Tyrone were probably the main rivals and I looking back at it, we never beat them, Des. 2003, they caught us in a semi-final. Well, not caught us, they beat us fair and square and when you look back at it, people were giving out about that style of football at the time but when you look at it now, it was there was nothing wrong with it. There was six of the best forwards that played the game on that team. Uh, they had a really physical Kevin Hughes and Sean Cavanaugh around the middle of the park and they had Jordan and McManaman and... Gormley, they were really, really good at the back. So they were, they were a serious outfit, and we just couldn't beat them. You know, th th that team, uh, they had the better of us for three times. They beat us. They beat us in two thousand five and two thousand um, and eight. And every time, I be firmly believe we were good enough to beat them. But we just couldn't do it on the day. Um, and Armagh, we had a few battles with them. There was a very good team in Galway at the time, Des, with Joyce and Donlan and co. Um, so they were the teams, and we had we had our battles, even though people said we always got on top of them. We had really a lot of good, tough, close battles, and we were beaten often by um, Cork. I think the back door served Kerry very well in the noughties because they seemed to thrive on it afterwards. They learned really quickly, and they were able to park it. But I suppose you look at the, the Galways, the Armas, and especially Tyrone's were the big rivals that time, really. The the reason I was interested, your second choice of music is is a dub. And he's a dub who's kind of associated with the Dublin football team as, as well, in a way. Damien Dempsey. Yeah, I love that. I don't know, is it the kind of Lou Kelly, um, you know, the Sinead O'Connor? I love the, the Irish folk kind of um, tradition that we have in the country I think it's brilliant and the powerful like the dubs do it better than anybody really when you think about it it's real they, they, they like Dempsey it was Sean Potts actually that Sean Potts would be a very good friend of Dempsey and Sean Potts uh, dad played with the Chieftains himself uh, a pipe player and Sean is a really brilliant uh, musician as well but he would gig with Damien Dempsey an awful lot 
and uh, he'd be telling me about Damien and he was saying, you know, he plays in Vicar Street every Christmas, you should come up, like, it's passionate, like, it's unbelievable, the, the atmosphere inside and it is, there's, you couldn't compare it to any other gig you go to. Mm. So I went up a couple of years, oh my God, that was phenomenal, like, the place went just, just crazy, like, and everybody there was, was downright passionate about Damien Jameson, the way he sings and what he sings about. And um, it's phenomenal, like, and I know, uh, I didn't realise the connection, but he'd often meet up with the dubs and he's a good man to go out and socialise with them. And he's a true dub and he, spe he the songs he writes and the songs, uh, the lyrics he has and all his songs are to do with, with, with um, problems of the world a lot of the time, but a lot to do with Dublin itself and, and his own experiences through it. And I think it's powerful stuff. And, and that, geez, the, the atmosphere inside there, we had so much, geez, it was the best, probably himself and Bruce Springsteen, the best gigs I was ever at. Mm. He's got that earthy Dublin thing, hasn't he? Oh, he's phenomenal, like, and he's a big man as well. Uh, the dubs and yourselves, uh, the end of your career, you you were playing against the Dubs. But what what was your highlight? What what match stands out most as your favourite match with Kerry? Geez, that's a tough question. Um, I'm not sure, Des. I enjoyed 2009 for some strange reason. Uh, we beat Cork in the final. We had lost earlier in the year, and we had lost poorly. And we were scrambling through the back door, and we should have lost to Sligo and Tralee. And we were training really hard. Uh, myself and Gooch got suspended throughout in the middle of the season. So why, just, why were you suspended? Just to clarify for our listeners, oh, we just socialised when we shouldn't have been socialising because the games, the games were a week between each other. So I got sick of it. My, I, I, and it was on national papers. It was on the front page of papers like that. We were dropped for this game against Antrim, and um, I, it said that we were together. We weren't together at all. You know, we were. I was in West Kerry. He was over in Killarney, and. <laughs> But you we went out on went, was it the Sunday night you went out or the Monday? Which was it? We played on a Saturday evening, Des, and I'd say we would have been out the following Saturday. And I suppose if you compare it to nowadays, there's not a hope like players are so disciplined nowadays. But I was just cranky. I was just sick of what was happening. We were barely after getting over Sligo inside and Tralee. We should have been beaten. Dearman Murphy saved a last minute goal. A buddy of mine was over from England there in a wedding in Dingle. I said I'd call in to say hello. And I called in and I stayed inside there nearly, you know, the whole night. And uh, we had a couple of beers the following day. And um, my brothers were with me. That came out, we can safely say it now. They didn't, I suppose, they couldn't drop the three of us. So they said, <laughs> we'll drop Tomas and we'll leave the other two boys play because we, we might be in bother without the three of them. And uh, they dropped myself in the gooch and it worked out. And I just think winning that Harl Ireland afterwards, the performance against Dublin, when everybody expected us to lose, we kind of half surprised ourselves with the, with the performance. Everything just clicked on the day. And then we went on and we played Cork, in the final and it was just kind of a, a redemptive year really like you know mm. it was it was a kind of but all the even the, the big days that you lost 2002 was another one even though we didn't win it it was against Armagh um, yeah and it was a huge day for Armagh and it was a it was a you know Dara was captain Paddy was manager we were all playing my dad had died that summer it was just a kind of a strange it was so deflating because when my dad died the football kind of I won't say it saved us, but it gave us something to hang on to and, and to concentrate on, to focus on. And then when that finished, it was such a downer because we lost the game. Dara was captain. would have been brilliant to see one of us lift the cup as captain and it just went down to Swanee on the same day. But obviously Armagh deserved to, the, the win. But, you know, you, 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 every game does has its own story and you could tell a story about it. But, there's you know, those type of games stick in my head. The Dublin game in Thurless 
in 2001 where the Dubs went on the road, the atmosphere was absolutely electric inside there, you know, mm. and the Dubs came down and they really put it up to us and that kick from Morris Fitzgerald, I'll always say it because of the fact that we were a point down was the greatest kick that I've actually seen on a football field in any, and just and nobody else would have done what he did that day um, with Tommy Carr. Uh, beside him roaring at him as well you know it was it was phenomenal but they, they were they, they, huge games to be involved in and and funny the the one that Dubs remember is 2011 when they won for the first time in in, in Yonks and really he should have won that game well the, the, any time I say that to a Dub they'll say would you <laughs> cop on you you, you know but I, I, I think we should have we, we should have closed out that game had it been three or four years earlier I think we would have I think a uh, big loss to us that day was Dara. I think he his kicking ability alone and his just, I don't know, he had a presence about him and he demanded ball at the right time. And look, the, the, the dubs were going across the line, Des. It was just a matter of when. And in 2011, when they did that and the way they did it, uh, the turning point was Kevin McManaman, obviously, but what Cluxon did towards the end and the kick that he had, it wasn't to give me, it was a tough kick. And when you, when you I suppose, think about how long Dublin had waited and how long they were knocking on the door and the pressure that that amounted. They hadn't won their first one. It would be different if it was a match where they had won. But the way Dublin actually beat us that day will go down in history. Like, it started off, it, it kick-started uh, that brilliant Dublin team. And um, some of them are, are still playing, you know, the likes of James McCarthy and going as strong as ever. But, uh, yeah, that was a tough one. That was a hard one because I did actually genuinely feel with 10 minutes to go that we were in a really, really good position. But that was, I think, and that's still to this day, Des, the Dubs can still do that. Doesn't matter what the score is and how long is left, they kept on battering the door until it fell down. Like, And mm. that's what happened that day. And that was the first day we, we, we left Dublin over the line and they haven't looked back since. Before we go to your final choice of music, Tomás, um, you're based in Cork City, but is your heart still very much in Kiri? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Des, I'm down in Cork. I'm here a long, long time. 2001 was when I um, initially came out of college and got a job in Fermoy. I'm living in Cork City ever since. And um, I've great time for the Cork lads. Um, I, I, you know, I've, I've get on well with them. I enjoy their banter and their wit. Do I miss West Kerry? I do. I think I miss West Kerry more since I left West Kerry. And, um, you know, I get back as often as I can, but it's hard with the kids when they're involved in sports and they're an, involved in activities and it's a two and a half hour drive back. But there's no place for me in the country like West Kerry. Um, and even Ventry itself with the mountain above you have Croachwarren you have Mount Eagle and you know the other side of you then you have Ventry Beach and there's no place I, 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 I think when I go back nowadays I appreciate it a lot more and I actually make an effort to get down on the beach and I make an effort to go up the mountain if I can and um, I do I appreciate it a lot more would I like to, to live back there I'm not sure um, in another in some days I would and in other days, most of the time, no, I'm happy where I am. And I can't see myself moving from Cork at this stage. But um, I'll always have... Um, West Kerry will always be home for me. Always, no matter what. And on a sunny day, which brings us to your last musical choice that will play us out, Tomás. Tell us about this one. Yeah, it's 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 Bruce Springsteen. Um, um, Waiting on a sunny day. And I think, 
Yeah, and I think just with everything that's happening at the moment, Des, Bruce Springsteen, I've gone to three of his concerts and look, it's Jesus, just unbelievable. The E Street Band up on top of the stage and he bouncing around the place and the age of him and the energy and it's just a show and he always breaks the rules. He always goes further and longer and I'd listen to his stuff a lot of the time. Any playlist that I put together, I'd always have him on it like and I was just looking at the playlist. I'd listen to anything, Des. I'd listen to the Beatles. I'd listen to Elton John, Avicii, the Stone Roses, the Pixies, all of that, the Frames, Ray Charles, I was listening, I like all of it, I, I, I don't have any one genre that I like, I like it all, but Bruce Springsteen will always be on it, and I just think uh, this is one of the songs in the current climate where we're all don't know what's happening and a lot of people are living in fear and there will be there's light at the end of the tunnel and we will get over it and we will get through it it's very very hard and it's very hard things difficult things and really sad things happening but hopefully we will get through it and we have to be positive no matter what and that's more so than anything the reason I've actually picked that song as well today Alright well let's leave it then with Bruce Springsteen Tomás O'Shea Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.